there. I want to talk tonight about making the right decision. Making the right decision. It's from James chapter 1. Um, how many know that life is filled with decisions that we have to make every day? I mean, most decisions are they're minor ones, small ones, and they really have little impact on us. Like, you know, what am I going to eat for breakfast? I mean, it's really it really won't matter in the overall scheme of things unless you eat something that's, you know, adverse to your system or something like that. But, I mean, in the overall overarching thing, you know, am I going to drive this car or that car? You know, I mean, it really, it really makes little difference. But there are some decisions that we have to make that causes us or can cause us to be troubled or deeply concerned when we have to make decisions that we're unsure about. And I know that I'm not alone in, uh, as Pastor Bill would say, I'm not the only duck sitting in that pond or swimming in that pond. Uh, when we've had to make decisions that were tough and we didn't know if we were making the right decision or not. I've made decisions where instantaneously after I made the decision, I thought, oh, that was really a bad thing to decide. Um, but making the right decision on things that really matter or will have a lasting impact on you and the others around you, it's important. But it can especially be difficult when, you're, when, when you feel like you're floundering in the land of indecision and you think, you know, I, I'm just not going to decide. Can I tell you that not deciding is a decision? Um, I mean, it's really complex. James chapter 1, verse number 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. A few Sundays ago, I talked about the joy of the Lord and how that joy is not just an emotion, but it's an act of the will. We can choose joy. We can choose to allow joy to come forth. The joy of the Lord is our strength, the scriptures tell us. Think about everything that God has done in our lives, and then you have enough reason to have joy come out of your being. Then let the joy of the Lord resonate from your spirit and from your lips. It's important for the joy to come out of here. There's one part of the Bible that says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Hearing the Word of God, it's so much more powerful when you hear it, when you speak it, when you hear it. And you're thinking, you know, that's right. I've got a lot to be joyful about. Amen. This verse says, whenever you face trials. It doesn't say if you face trials. It says whenever you face trials because you're going to face a trial. Yep. It's going to happen. It is inevitable. You will face many kinds of trials. Count it as joy, the scripture tells us. Consider it pure joy. That doesn't make any sense at all. I'm going to go through some stuff, and the Bible says... Just chalk it up to joy. 
And you're thinking, I can be a whole lot more joyful about the things of God than I can be about the things of life that I'm having to deal with now. But can I tell you that it's the joy of the Lord that becomes your strength that gives you what you need to be joyful in the circumstances that you are facing. Why? Do you count it as joy? Well, James chapter 1 verse 3 says because, here's the reason why, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. What is perseverance? I'm glad you asked. Perseverance is anything undertaken. A continued pursuit. Perseverance. You have undertaken a relationship with Jesus Christ. You have undertaken that He is Lord of your life. You are continually pursuing Him. And so what this scripture is telling us is that when you face trials of many kinds, uh, know that this happens because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, meaning that out of all of the trials, out of all of the tests, out of all the stuff that's going on, you're going to have something that is accelerating your pursuit of the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't write that down, but that was pretty good. So when these things called trials come, they will test your faith. What is a test? A test is really a trial. It's an affliction or temptation that exercise and prove the graces or virtues of men. That's a really complex definition. But that's from Webster's 1828 version of the dictionary. A test or a trial is an affliction or temptations. Afflictions or temptations that exercise and prove the grace or virtues of men. Meaning that, what, what, what really that means is, in other words, when you're going through stuff, people get to see what you're made of. Just like when you squeeze a tube of something out. When you squeeze hard enough, something's going to come out. And a lot of us are like, I don't want to be squeezed that hard. But it does come out. James 1.4 says, Then let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Let perseverance finish its work. So while we're going through stuff, there is a work that's going on on the inside as you have to deal with and you have to endure these trials and these tests. The work that is being accomplished is so that you will be mature and complete and not lacking anything. It doesn't mean that your problems are all going to be solved. But it means that the work that's going on inside of you is causing you to grow spiritually. It's causing you to mature. How many have ever heard the term that... Uh, well, they had to grow up fast because they had all kinds of stuff to deal with. Many times that's said of, of people who were children and because they had to take on adult responsibilities at an early age that they grew up quickly. 
because they had responsibilities that they had to attend to and it caused them to be more attentive to the things and cares of life. And if there's ever a time when we need to be attentive to the things of life, the things of God, it's today. I believe we've got to mature and we've got to grow up quickly. We've got to be complete, not lacking anything. That doesn't mean a lack or a, 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 a net loss of something in our life. But what it means is that we'll be mature in our faith. We'll be complete in our faith. There's a song that I'm reminded of that says, I am determined to be invincible until he has finished his purpose in me. And nothing shall shake me. He'll never forsake me. I am determined to live for the king. And those words are powerful and they're strong. And what it, what it really says is that there is nothing that's going to happen that's going to cause me to lose out in my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's going to cause me to dig deeper than ever before. Yes, it means that we don't, it means that being mature means we don't, we don't run when there's a problem. There's people that when stuff goes on, they don't know how to deal with it. And they just say, well, if I ignore it, it'll go away. No, it won't. It'll still be there. If I don't talk about it, it won't be an issue. If I don't hang around those people that have caused the problem, then I don't have to think about it. It's still going to be there. Maturity spiritually is, I don't like conflict, but I'm not going to run. Because it's the enemy that you're running from. And you don't have to run from him because you have the authority of Jesus Christ. You will get to the place where you're not lacking on in, in anything, again, spiritually speaking, on how to deal with these issues. When you get closer and closer to Jesus, then you realize that Jesus is all I need to get through this. And that the word of God will be my will be my guide as I'm dealing with this painful situation. The Holy Spirit will teach me and guide me as I navigate the uncertain, the uncertain currents of life. And they are uncertain. What happens in the midst of a tough situation when we have to make a decision? So how do we make the right decision? How do we make the right decision and know that it's the right decision? I suppose you could try Gideon's method. Judges chapter 6, verse 36 says this. Gideon said to God, this was, after, this was after the Lord spoke to him and said, you're the man, Gideon. You're going you're gonna to annihilate the enemies of, of, the, of God's people. These people were scared. They had been ravaged by the enemy. And they had been even, There's part of the scripture says that they were, they were, uh, they were treading wheat in the wine press, I believe it was, which, which the wine press was not designed for treading wheat. You needed to tread wheat to get the grain out, out in the open, but they were afraid to be out in the open because they were afraid the enemy was going to come 
and ravaged them there. They were in a desperate situation and God says, Gideon, you're the man that's going to deliver God's people from these oppressive enemies. I want to challenge you to read the story if you've not read it before. But Gideon said to God, you know, well, he said, you know, he first off, he says, I'm the least in my clan. I'm the least one. What are you talking about? This can't be me. So Gideon says, if, if, if you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I'll know that you will save Israel by my hand as you have said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Verse 39 goes on to say, Then Gideon said to God, Do not be angry with me, God. I love this story. Let me just make one more request, just to make sure that you're, I'm really, really sure that it's you. Allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. I don't really recommend this method. Um, although there was no doubt that God provided ultimate reassurance to Gideon through this supernatural display of his power, we humans tend to think in the natural realm. Okay, Lord. If this is the path you want me to take, if this is the decision you want me to take, then light, that light's going to turn green before I get to the intersection. There's so many variables, man-made variables that could happen that has nothing to do with God. I got a green light. Lord, if I get green lights all the way to the church, I'm going to count it as a sign. I've actually had that happen going down 71st Street once or twice. I've also had it to where it hit every red light going down 71st Street. <clears throat> the late Aaron Wilburn, some of you remember he came to the church a number of years ago. Christian songwriter, singer, and comedian. One time said that after he had been watching his weight, he saw a Krispy Kreme donut shop and thought, what if the Lord put that there, placed that there just for him? What if it's his reward for eating good lately? That's really not how it works, but this is what he said. He determined that if there was a parking spot open right up front, then he knew it was from the Lord. Aaron said, and you're not going to believe this, but fifth time around the block, there it was, the open parking space. But seriously, folks, how can we make the right decision when we're facing a crossroads? James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Lacking wisdom is not a sin. There will be times when we just do not know what to do. And this verse tells us that we need to ask God. We do this through prayer, and when we pray, we put ourselves in a position to be able to hear from the Holy Spirit. And hearing the voice of God, using the Word of God, will help us to make a decision that will honor God, and others will see.
Proverbs 1 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Have you ever come across anybody that just knows everything? And they 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 don't want to hear instruction and they don't want to hear what someone else wants to say. We have to be very careful about that in our spiritual realm. In the spiritual realm, because we can, we can be like, well, you know, I know other people that have gone through this and this is what they did, but they're not you. And maybe the answer that they got is not the same answer that you need. Verse five goes on to say that God will give generously without finding fault. He's not disappointed in you or fault you in any way just because you don't know what to do next. You know, it's kind of like, in a way, a child. You, 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 um, a child doesn't know what to do. And I was babysitting Journey last week and she's trying to get her these plastic shapes in the in the holes that are shaped like the shape the star and the cross and the circle and the square and all of that and she's able to get a couple of them in there and she gets really close on this one but she doesn't really understand yet that if she just twists that one just a little bit then she'll get it right in there but she's learning now, if she were to if she were to say, you know, push me away and like, no, I don't think so. I'll get it. I'll get it. Many, many times in life, we can do that if we're not careful. We can do that with the Lord. We can say, you know, I think I can figure this out. I remember many years ago, this has been. Oh my goodness. 25 years ago, I guess. Um, we had a car problem. We we were plagued with problem after problem and we had a we had a 19 it was a Nets car when we got married, 1976 Chevy Impala. Car rode great. Um till the timing chain broke. And then we uh, we fixed it up a little bit. I didn't. I, I kind of helped some other family members. And uh, it never ran quite right after that. And it's 15 miles to my job. And so I'm driving 30 miles a day, round trip. And this car that now is hitting on about five or six cylinders, it used 11 quarts of oil a month. And uh, it was getting, I think, maybe 10 miles to the gallon. And I thought, well, I think I can figure out, figure this out. And I kept thinking, how can I figure this out to where we can, we, we didn't have any money. We couldn't afford to buy a car. And uh, I kept thinking, 
I know I can figure this out. But I couldn't. And there was a man in our church who worked at a car place and he said, I've got a little car here that I think you can you can, we can get you into. And they did. It was a 92 Geo Metro. Drove the wheels <laughs> off of that car. Family of four. The key was bigger than the car. <laughs> we drove it to Eureka Springs one time and stopped for gas. And, uh, and the guy says, Wait, let me get, let me guess. The last time you filled it up was last year, right? It got about 38 miles to the gallon. Well, the thing is, is I was spending so much in gas and oil that the net difference between the savings and the miles, the miles and the car payment and what the insurance payment would be, I think we ended up only paying an additional $25 a month more when we had that car. And we had that car for several years and it was a good car. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to drive it again, but <laughs> it, was, it, it met the need and God came through. Um, he promises us in this verse to give wisdom generously. To you so that you can make the right decision. How many know the difference between stingy and generous? There's stingy and there's generous. Um, you know the difference if you go to a restaurant. And, and, and if you know that they give you large portions, you might decide in advance that, well, we're going to split a plate because they're going to bring out a ton of food. <laughs> I know why you're laughing. Because <laughs> that never happens in this house over here. Um, but, uh, but, you know, that, and, that, and that happens. We go, you know, we go to, uh, we, we go to Lambert's. We went to Branson last week. And uh, I appreciate uh, Brother Verlin for stepping in and ministering all these Wednesday nights in a row. We, uh, we don't get away all that much. And uh, we went to Branson last week and we stopped at Lambert's, which we typically do. And we know that they bring you so much food. And you look at the menu, and these meals are about $16 for a plate. And, and you know, I'm cheap, and $16 <laughs> for a plate of food sounds rich for me. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but I know they bring you a lot of food. And so we immediately asked the lady, can you bring us a to-go box? Because before we start, we have everything on our plate and we put it in this to-go box and then we take it with us and then we have it another day. And then it becomes two for one. And I feel better about having spent what I spent because I got two meals out of it instead of, you know, actually four meals out of it instead of two meals out of it. So, um, uh, you know, it, it's that's generous. There's a there, and they give you all that you want to eat of certain foods while you're there, and it's generous. You know what the difference between generous is, and, and it's kind of like that. I think in the spiritual realm, when, when the Lord says, "I will give you generously," I will. All you have to do is ask, and I will give you the wisdom generously. 
Sometimes you get into a place where it's like, well, I just feel like I have to make a decision, but I don't know what to do. Then just if you don't have to make a decision, if you're not required to, then just wait. Some would say, I just feel like I got to do something, even if it's wrong. I was reading in my Bible this week and and you, you probably know the story whenever uh, they were bringing David news from the battlefield and um, not not everything had finalized in the commander was about to send this man to tell news. And this other young man standing there says, I want to go tell the news. I want to go tell the news. And and uh, he says, well, you don't need to go. This other guy's going to go. Well, I just feel the need to run. And he's like, well, okay, I'm just going to run. And he runs and he runs and outruns the other guy that's got the news. And he gets to King David. And King David says, well, what news do you have? Well, Everything's okay. And he said, well, what about this? And he said, well, I'm not sure about that because there was still a lot of commotion going on when I left. He said, okay, well, just step aside. And then the other guy came and gave him the full report of everything that happened and answered the king's questions because it just happened a little bit before. But because the guy was so anxious to run, he didn't know everything that he needed to know. Sometimes it's hard to be still. Sometimes it's hard to wait. But sometimes we just need to wait. He'll give us generously so that we can make the right decision. And we read on in verse number 6. It says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. What is double-minded? Double-minded means having different minds at different times. Unsettled, wavering, unstable, undetermined. And there are probably times in our life where we may have these kinds of feelings. That, that crop up, but life sometimes will cause you to be tossed about here and there, and the enemy of your soul can also bring an attack on you. You may feel at times that the waves are just crashing in, but and, and you're trying to make the right decision, and you don't seem to be able to settle on anything. It's a dangerous place to be whenever we're just just well, I'm just going to go this way. No, I'm going to go that way. I'm going to go. I don't really know. And and you're just unsettled, and that is a dangerous place to be in. There's an old hymn that says, I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest. You guys remember that song? Yeah. The winds may sweep o'er the wild stormy deep, but in Jesus I'm safe evermore. Double-mindedness happens when all of our doubts overshadow our trust in God and faith in His wisdom. I didn't come up with that. I copied this from a lesson I found in one of the AG uh, uh, lessons, but I thought it was really good. It says, double-mindedness happens when our doubt overshadows, our doubts overshadow our trust in God and faith in His wisdom. I thought that was pretty good. 
When your doubts overshadow your trust in God, then it will cause you to be unstable in every area of your life. That's what the scripture says. If your faith is not settled in, in your relationship with Jesus Christ, it's going to affect other things in your life, other relationships in your life as well. You have got to make sure that you are settled in your relationship. First and foremost, your faith in Christ for salvation must be settled. And I would say that probably everybody present here tonight, that's not an issue. Your salvation must be settled. You've made the right decision by following Jesus. Then your faith in Christ must be settled for everything else. So there's salvation and there's everything else. And you'll continue to make right decisions. Again, verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, and who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Making the right decisions day after day and relying on His promised wisdom will happen as we keep our focus on Jesus. We've got to keep our focus and keep our eyes on Him. It's easy to keep your eyes on the wave that's coming. But we have to look at the one who has the ability to deal with the wave and not be overwhelmed by the wave. I want to close with this verse tonight in this portion of our service. Colossians 3, verse number 1 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Making the right decision each and every day. When you're faced, facing a crossroads and don't really know what to do. When you keep Jesus in perspective. And give him the first place in everything then it makes everything else all that much more easy to deal with. Not saying that it's easy, but it makes it to where you're able to get through it. You're able to endure it. You're able to persevere. And there's, there's an old saying that says something about yeah well you're just you're, you're, you're getting your character built no it's not about building character but it's about building your faith in Jesus Christ so that you can be mature in your faith why is this important well not only for our own peace of mind and our own spiritual well-being and those in our family, but to those around who are watching as well. And if we are constantly unsettled in our lives, going from conflict to conflict, and not saying that those aren't real and they're not, they're not valid, but when we go from conflict to crisis and conflict, and we're unsettled about it, and we've not resigned to trust God then we limit the ability that we have to be able to help somebody else in a situation 
And that's what the enemy's really good at. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to keep you so stirred up with your stuff that you can't help somebody else. That's called ministry. It's called compassion. It's called reaching out and helping somebody else in time of need. Because the scripture said, the scripture tell us, tells us that, you know, we, we need to have compassion, which is love in action toward other people. When you see someone in need and you have the ability to meet the need. And it's not God's will for us to be, I can't help anybody else. I'm going through all this junk myself. You know, if the blind lead the blind, they're both going to fall in the ditch. You heard that? You know, it's, it's, I have victory through Jesus Christ. And I'm going to be able to have the wisdom of God and live as a mature Christian, trusting in Him. So that I know that when I have the ability to make the decision, when I need to make the right decision, I can trust him for it. And if the decision-making time is not yet, I'm going to give him the situation. I'll close with this little story here. A number of years ago, we were going through a, um, some struggles and difficult times. And... Uh, we had a period of our lives where we didn't manage our money very good and we were broke and we had income. We just never really had training and really had knowledge of how to deal with things in life. And, and it was an embarrassing thing to be able to talk about. I mean, now I can reflect on it and it's not nearly as bad as it was when we were going through it because it's a memory that happened decades ago. But I can remember having this burden and trying to figure stuff out. I think it was in the same time frame as the car story I told you earlier. And uh, we didn't tell anybody that we were going through this because it was embarrassing for us to talk about. And uh, there was a man at church that uh, came up to me on a Sunday, I believe it was. And uh, I think there were other people. It was There was other things going on. So he just came over and he whispered. He told me in my ear. Nobody else heard him. He said, I don't know what's going on. But the Lord wanted me to tell you that you need to lay it down and leave it and don't pick it back up. And I knew exactly what he was talking about because I was so in the realm of this crisis that I kept praying about it and praying about it and then I would take it back and try to fix it, try to figure it out. And I couldn't. I didn't have the ability to. So I want to challenge you that if you're not to the place where you can make a decision about something, just give it to God and let him hang on to it and release you from the burden of holding on to that. And he'll help you. And when the right time comes to make the right decision, he'll tell you exactly what you need to do. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness and mercy. I thank you, Lord, that you have allowed us to seek you for wisdom to keep our minds on you and focused on you.
I thank you, Lord, because you are the one that we trust for everything. I ask God that you would just touch our hearts right now as we just trust in you for everything. We're not going to pick it back up, but we're going to trust you, Lord, for wisdom, for peace, and for the ability to let your faith rise up within us, be on display for others, and be useful in furthering the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you and we praise you for it. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Darlene asks that we pray for her friend Darlene. She was tested positive. Amen. Darlene. Darlene's friend Darlene. Darlene. Oh, Darlene's friend Darlene. Okay. Darlene wants us to pray. A friend has COVID, and um, we certainly want to do that. There are some probably people that you know that have been um, struggling with illness and sickness. I know I've got an uncle that's been in the hospital for a number of weeks uh, with a stroke, and um, he's slowly getting better but needs, needs a touch. Uh, we need to pray for our nation. We need to pray for the situation in Afghanistan desperately. Uh, we posted that on the church page a little while ago. Um, there, um, the uh, as far as I know, the, the report I read was that all the Assemblies of God personnel and ministries have been cleared out of the country, but there are still several that remain. And it's a difficult time. We want to pray for our leaders that are in this difficult position. Um, it is the gospel of Jesus Christ is not revered by the folks that are there. And um, they, a matter of fact, it, he, he's, he's mocked and um, they just won't stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we know that God is greater and Jesus is greater than any force on this earth or any power of hell. And we're going to believe that. Tammy. Yes. And I think we should pray for them and the cars around that COVID. I did hear that story earlier today. Uh, Muskogee County Jail has has cases of COVID that they're dealing with, and um, we want to pray that that all of those that are incarcerated and those that are working with those, it's at a critical level, and um, they're not able to function normally as they would, and so. Uh, we just want to pray that God is glorified. Um, Sister Shirlene had, had had a procedure done, and um, I talked to uh, talked to Jerry, and she is out and recovering, so she's doing well. And uh, we thank the Lord for that. Continue to pray for Sister Mary Bryce. Um, she's been going and getting tested or getting things done at the doctors and getting them getting looked at and. Uh, um, God is still on the throne. Amen. It's like Pastor Bill says, we serve a big God. Amen. He's not limited in his power and in his authority. Amen. Any 
anyone else you have a need that you want us to pray about? Hallelujah. Yes, sir. I just, I just want to offer up uh, this word of encouragement. Um, with all the difficulties that's going on in Afghanistan and being a you know, military veteran, I understand what's there because I've been there. But I also know that I've read that there are hundreds of former military personnel as well as some former intelligence personnel that are working actively with local Afghans and Americans in that country. The, the word they refer to is called a digital Dunkirk. They're working to contact people and actually guide them around these dangerous checkpoints that the Taliban have set up to help get them out of the country. So, you know, people are working actively in their faith and with other people to contact those people that they know personally and help them to, to work through this. And so a lot of it's faith-based, but they're putting their faith into action and doing it. Yes. And this is an encouraging thing that, that I'm holding on to. It's tragic what's happening, but you know I still have confidence that God is getting his will Amen. worked out Amen. in this situation. Thank, thank you for sharing that. Amen. For yeah. direction and, and guidance. Amen. Amen. And uh, after this prayer, we will also have a time of prayer offline. So we, we want to make sure that Wednesday nights we focused on prayer and the word. And I think it's critical, especially in our day and time today. Let's join in prayer tonight. Father, we thank you because you are the one who we depend on. God, as we've gathered here in this house tonight, we trust you, Lord, to meet every need. Lord, for Darlene's friend, Darlene, that's come down with COVID, we bring her up to you in the name of Jesus. We declare healing in her body. Lord, let your glory be shown for who you are in the name of Jesus. I praise you for it, Lord. God, I ask that you would move greatly in uh, Sister Mary Bryce. God, you would touch her. Continue to give her strength in her body. And Lord, let her in this season of, of uncertainty be strengthened and know that you're still God, that you're still on the throne. You've not lost any of your power. Thank you for your complete touch and healing. Thank you, Lord, for Shirlene's uh, procedure coming out well and that her healing process is now moving forward. Thank you for keeping her in the palm of your hand and touching through her as well. We praise you for it, Jesus. Lord, we ask that you will, uh, Lord, this, this situation going on in Muskogee County at the jail, Lord, we know that there are several people there that have come down with COVID, but we know, God, that you are greater than any disease. And I ask, Lord, for your protection upon those that are caring for them. I ask for his restoration of health. And Lord, I ask for your name to be elevated and lifted high above every thought and every idea in that place in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for direction for Nick and Lord for everything that you're doing in his life. I praise you, God, because he's willing to do what you've called him to do. And I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Lord, I as we come to you, Lord, for um, this situation in Afghanistan. We thank you for the reports that we have heard, for the encouragement that there are people that are uh, that are faith-based, that are that are working to get these people out that need to be out of there, of this oppressive, demonic uh, government that has set itself up. And Lord, we come against 
every demon of hell that will try to put a pathway in the that will put an obstacle in the pathway of these people of God that need to get out. Lord, we know that you have all of this in your sight and we trust you for it, God. I, I pray that strength and power and wisdom would come to those that are in charge of this, that are causing these people to, to, to be able to be rescued. And I thank you, Lord, as we stand and hold them up. Lord, I pray that your protection would be around the people of God that are in this country as the government has fallen. And Lord, we know that you are will you you will get glory out of all of this lord that we may not see what you see we know we don't see it but we know that there will be something far greater that comes we thank you for it we praise you for it in the name of jesus lord i pray for a revived renewal of restoration to your people lord i pray that the, if there are people that are that are listening that are on the edge about uh, uh, not fully committing to you that this will be a deciding point when they say, I'm all in for Jesus. I thank you, God. I believe there's a revival that is coming, Lord, to this nation. And Lord, I pray that it will start with me. I pray, God, that it will start with each one of us. Lord, that should be our prayer. Not wait for someone else, but Lord, let revival start in me, in my house, right now. I thank you for it, God, so we can make a difference for the kingdom of God, for your glory, for your honor, in the name of Jesus. I praise you for it, God. To you be glory and honor, and in Jesus' name, I thank you for it, in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen.